Greetings and salutations! You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I am one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Reed, aka Sick Robot. How are you doing? And Morgan, aka Spleenface. What's up, everyone? Unfortunately, Matt couldn't be here for this episode, but uh, look forward to his return in the next one. Um, in this episode, uh, we will be covering Displacer Kitten. Uh, everyone's favorite card from the uh, newest uh, Commander Legends set. Uh, everyone's been talking about it all over Discord. How, what decks does this enable? New combo, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, you know, we're going to get into that. Um, but, you know, before you turn off the episode, because you're like, hey, I, I don't play blue. I, I don't even, I don't, don't play a deck where Displacer Kitten's going to fit in. Hold on. Don't turn off the episode yet. Uh, you can use this episode as a guide for how to evaluate cards that can be maybe a bit more complex. Um, this basic couldn't isn't the most straightforward card, you know. Um, it's got, you know, potential value cases, uh, combo cases, so, you know, and, and how do you evaluate that compared to other combos? So you can, you can take away some useful information on how to kind of abstractly um, evaluate cards. So please, please stick with us. Um, but yeah, before we get into that, uh, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? Hmm? Anyone? Anyone? Awesome. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I well. have binge-watched. Uh, Netflix has this new series um, of, like, a, a reboot of Iron Chef, I guess. it's. I think it's called, like, Iron Chef Quest for the Legendary something. I don't know. But um, it was really good. It was... I don't know... Uh, Morgan, I know you're not a huge anime fan. Reed, you watch a bit, I think? No, I... No, not at all? I sort of hate, like, talking about this to the world, because I just, like, it, it exposes me to, like, there's so much surface area to just, like, <laughs> to just make jokes at my expense about me being, like, an elitist or, like, an ultra-weep or whatever, but I <laughs> mainly, I, I basically don't watch anime at all. I do read a fair amount of manga. <laughs> don't don't at me. Wow, that is just... <laughs> that is not where I was expecting that to go. Yeah. Wow. Um, I guess Matt Matt's the only other one who uh, really watches a, a decent amount of anime. Anyway, um, there's this anime called Food Wars, uh which is quite popular and it it was it's like watching real life food wars it was so sick like all the uh obviously in like iron chef they're like ta- they're the like some of the world's best chefs and you get to watch like michelin star uh chefs like duke it out in competition try- and serving to like other like renowned food critics and uh, restaurateurs like wolfgang puck wolfgang puck and whatever it was it was super cool um yeah, binge that whole that whole show. Um, yeah, highly recommend. Uh, See, it seems like they're probably gonna do a second season. What's messed up though is that, like, Lyndon is always the one that's pushing us to like shill and push our content and you know try and expand and whatever. And like, then he just takes this section and just shills other people's content. For <laughs> like, we don't even get permission, or, like, what is this? Well, are we gonna go to Netflix and ask them to... Never uh... had a sponsored podcast. <laughs> just uh... give it away free advertising like nobody's business. Listen, okay, I like what I like, and I want people... I want. I like it, and I want other people to enjoy it as well. That's, yeah. why, that's why I'm I'm here recommending all these shows. Again, recommend... Everyone go watch Severance again, okay? Come on, please. Listen, every, everyone, every shut off yeah. our podcast and go watch this other show 
I didn't say that, guys. <laughs> guys, stay with the podcast before you go watch any of my recommendations. I was um, I, I was about to say every time every time you advertise for some other piece of content, you should just not name it and let the listeners slash viewers figure out what you're talking about by <laughs> intuition alone. Oh uh, no! Is, <laughs> is, 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 is it a crime to like things us. now? Is it is that is that advertising? Yes. If I'm merely saying what I like, okay. no. The problem is being genuine. That's really the issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I genuinely like it. Yeah, it's got no. That you're expressing an opinion genuinely. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the opinion is. Uh, okay. Um. Okay. Well, since you guys live terrible, boring lives and have nothing to share with our lovely audience, well, except uh, we, let... we, we do get to we do get to to flex a little bit. Uh, the MLC is ongoing, and and Reed and I, I believe, are. Uh, both in Picked the top three of our conference, so that's I think so, pretty yeah. cool. You guys are in the same conference, right? We're they in the are. same division. <laughs> okay, same division. <laughs> Which is, like, the, the, there's two conferences of 16 people, each made up of four divisions of four, and we're in the same four. That's honestly quite impressive, because obviously you'd be cannibalizing, you know, some of each other's wins, so the fact that you guys are both placing so highly is actually very impressive. Yeah, I mean, would, I think it just think goes so, to show except, that, uh, you know, you guys are both really lucky and, and uh, we're just kind of crap CDH players and, uh, you know, we're just, it's better lucky than good, right? That's, as a wise man once said, better lucky than good. Um, Although I'm not sure that I can actually say that about my, my past win when it was certainly the most political of uh, my MLC wins so far. In my last game, I my three draws in a row were... Uh, when I had a Yisan in play to go for a Yisan Thoracle combo, where uh, Memories Journey, Dread Return, Thoracle. I was like, this is not, this was not <laughs> the same. the perfect sequence I, of draws. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I honestly can't believe people are letting Reed get away with anything political in CDH. It's, it, playing against Reed, there's, there's, you know, one simple trick that uh, doctors, doctors don't want you to know, which is just tune him out, man. <laughs> <laughs> you start saying stuff, you're like, volume down, and uh, perfect, let's carry on. Uh, I ain't because... reading all that, but <laughs> yeah. that's nice for you, or I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool, so without further ado, uh, let's jump into housekeeping. And as always in housekeeping, we like to give a shout-out to our new patrons. Um, so big shout-outs to that Elsha Top guy, and to Dylan S. You rock. Um, I mean, we always give a shout out to new patrons, but you know, I feel like we should we should start including in this segment just a shout out to like a recurring patron. You know, like because our our you know it's one thing to celebrate new patrons, but it's the patrons who you know have been donating to us over um, the years as we've been producing content, and you know who've been kind of always there that are really the kind of backbone of. Uh, um our support and you know as we say in the uh or as i say in the end of the episode uh help us towards working towards improving the quality of the podcast so yeah um thanks a lot to our new patrons and maybe uh in the future <laughs> uh we'll start shutting out uh, recurring patrons um but yeah uh that's housekeeping uh moving on to new developments uh i guess i'll throw this first one to read sure uh, so as of the release of this episode, I believe it will have been uh, about a week since the last Deckless database update. Uh, worked pretty hard on this one. Um, there was actually we 
the update before this one, we had, I think, 332 submissions, or it was 331 uh, decklist submissions. And we were sort of expecting that it would uh, go down um, for the next one. <laughs> well, because we, we're actually looking at tightening up our, uh, the timelines for our updates and stuff like that. Um, and it turned out that it would actually end up being the exact same number of submissions. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Even with a shorter time span. So, uh, yeah, it took us a bit, but we got it out. Um, so, yeah, go check it out. Uh, remember to check out the Brewer's Corner for new entries. Because uh, there's always some new cool stuff on there. Um, there's definitely some some interesting stuff uh, this time around that you should go check out if you haven't looked at it already. Um, and aside from that, yeah, just make sure to uh, keep submitting your lists. More work for us, but also makes a makes a resource better for the community. So thanks for the support, everyone. Yeah, you should also just basically DDoS their uh, the submission form. You should just take the same list and then like change a card and then submit it and then just you know just make their I'm sorry, don't do that. <laughs> Definitely don't do that. Um, yeah, big uh, big ups to all the people at the database who do a ton of work for free. Uh, and it's it's uh, a lot of work that you know they're just volunteering their time to uh, to put in and uh, make the community better and create this awesome resource. So yeah, um, kudos yeah, to you guys. We try. Uh, <laughs> uh, next, we've got a. Uh, I guess, well, just a couple tournament announcements, um, upcoming tournaments. Um, Morgan and Reed, I'll, since you guys are the ones going to this one, I'll, I'll uh, let you shill, uh, you know, get your, uh, your shilling. Sure. Interest. So uh, Reed and I are, I believe we've mentioned this before, but we're locked and we're going to Tier 1 Con in Copenhagen uh, on the, uh, I believe it's the 6th and 7th of august so uh if you can make it out to there it should be awesome the tournament prizes include a twister for the winner unreal uh, dude unreal. And, yeah last <laughs> year it was it was a ton of fun uh they had you know lots of people there like there was the main event but you know they also had uh a pretty good shop and people were just jamming games at the at the hotel bar in the venue uh so definitely if that's something you can make it out to you should let i am devastated i'm not making it this year uh just to kind of like reiterate for like people who maybe new listeners who uh who weren't you know paying attention last year when we were kind of talking about tier one con and you know kind of after tier one con the event is so much fun just it's, it's not even the event itself it's everything around it it's a big gathering of just so many like content creators and and just cdh players enthusiasts and it was just unlike anything um i've ever experienced in terms of cdh it really felt like you know kind of a a watershed moment for the cdh community and it was so much fun hanging out with um everyone like outside of the event um getting food getting drinks playing like games like uh late into the night it was an absolute blast so if you can make it and you're like, oh, maybe I don't want to play in the tournament or whatever. It's like, go, go and just hang out with people. Uh, that's that's where where all the fun is to have, to be had. Although, no, sorry, that's where most of the fun to be had. Lot, I mean, yeah, the, the event the, the event was also uh, certainly a lot of fun Great. itself. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, high it wasn't, high we recommendations. We were playing Cody, so it could only be <laughs> well, so fun. But <laughs> I think I think the result fun. I think the result of the event sort of upped the fun factor for me past uh, sort of outweighs the uh, the unfunness of playing the deck that I played. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, so beyond Tier 1 Con, we also have um, Oktoberfest and Punt City. Um, so, I mean, I guess we're getting a bit of an early lead um, shilling Oktoberfest. Uh, uh, well, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, they've both been announced. These are like the large IRL tournaments that have been announced so far. So we'll, we'll just announce them and go through uh, real quick. Um, Oktoberfest, I don't think has a date locked in, but will be in uh, Philadelphia, I believe, um, as well as Punt City. They're actually, I think, both in Philadelphia this year. I think one of them's technically in Phoenixville or somewhere like just outside yeah, of Philadelphia. Something but... Approximately in the Philadelphia, greater Philadelphia area. I don't know. <laughs> one of the, They're both accessed via the Philadelphia airport. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's Philadelphia for me. Anyway, um, so... Uh, Punt City is being run by Eminence Events and is going to be happening uh, August 27th to 28th, uh, that weekend. Um, and it looks it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I think tickets are actually already sold out. Um, so might be rough if you haven't already uh, bought there, but it looks like it's going to be a good time. And definitely make sure to check out the stream uh, for that one because I believe they'll be streaming the event. Uh, and then Oktoberfest is going to be happening sometime in, uh, I believe, late October, maybe early November this time. I think, no, they, I, th I believe it's been moved to early November, which okay. is funny because actual Oktoberfest is in September, so we've got, like, got the whole... <laughs> like a two-month gap. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, also, can we just take a moment? I think we, 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 we've done this a bit, you know... Uh, especially at the last tier one con, but to have three kind of major in-person CDH events kind of like on the calendar is kind oh, of yeah. wild. Eh? I mean, like, it was, it's just, it was it's... insane last year when we did, uh, we did tier one con and then we ended up spending the rest of the week in Europe. And by the time we got back the next weekend, there had already been like another major online event that had happened. And then there was like another event the weekend after that in terms of tournaments. And this year, it seems like it's even more packed. It's going to be, like, Tier 1 Con. I'm assuming there are going to be at least a couple of, like, online events sort of that area. And then, like, immediately Punt City, like, three weeks later. And, and this is all, like, community organized, right? Like, yeah. this is, there's no, like, official WOTC kind of directive or whatever. It's not, and then we're not, like, you know, kind of just doing command fest sort of things. Like, these are independently organized standalone events and they've been successful and there's just more and more of them and it's just super awesome um yeah i just i just really wanted to kind of revel in that for a minute but uh that's it for new developments let's jump in to the meat and potatoes of the episode and talk about displacer kit oh yeah um so i'll, I'll let you guys uh kind of take the floor and, and start leading this discussion here tell me about displacer Sure. Well, we should at least, I guess, first actually tell our listeners if they haven't seen the new set yet or haven't seen the card. Uh, at least we'll review for anybody uh, that might not be super familiar with the card what Displacer Kitten actually does. Um, so Displacer Kitten is a creature. It's a blue creature. It costs three and a blue to cast. It's a cat beast. And it's a 2-2 with a card text. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell... Exile up to one target non-land permanent you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So, pretty neat, and there's a lot of flexibility there, and there's a lot of axes that this thing could be cool on. Um, I think uh, we should probably go through and 
So I, I, I think it might be a good idea to just like go over some of the uh, core synergies with the card first and sort of uh, go over why people are playing it, and then we'll sort of get into the more nitty gritty of uh, the actual card, where it fits in, all that kind of good Yeah, stuff. What, what, what are the standout things that, um, you know, when just reading the text of Kitten, that you immediately think, hey, I want to do this in Siege? Well, so, so I, mean, I think, yeah. The, the first, the first, like, the, the comparison that people drew, and obviously it's a, like, it's an exaggerated comparison, uh, but the effect with any mana rock is reminiscent of a miniature paradox engine, in that every non-creature spell you're casting uh, essentially just lets you untap a mana rock. Um, so I guess, like, it's also, you know, it, it could be compared to something like a Bergy or a Stormkiln Artist. Uh, it sort of fits in that uh, class of cards before yeah. you start looking for like even more specific interactions yeah it's sort of like you have a rock in play and it just lets you like effectively discount them um i think there's probably the also the other uh probably the other uh immediate comparison that people are looking at or like immediate thing that they're looking at, which is just abusing etp effects with it um obviously displays your kitten plus something like eternal witness is pretty cool uh, if you have, like, two cantrips, you can, like, cycle the cantrips back and forth continuously. So I can go, like, brainstorm, get back, like, flicker the e get back ponder, ponder, flicker the e get back brainstorm, that kind of stuff. Um, really, any ETB effects, obviously, like, this with uh, Rexage or a Skyclave Apparition is pretty hot. Um, and then um, this plus basically, like, any uh, any Planeswalker, too. I think those are the other big ones. Um, in terms of, like, main deck slots, I think people, uh, especially in other formats, uh, but also for some decks for CDH, like, this plus Narset's pretty cool. Uh, you just get to, like, basically, if you can cast the stuff that you find off of Narset, you can just, like, continue chaining through. So you get to, like, look at the top four, cast a thing, like the Narset, look at the next top four. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then, and obviously, then... that's some uh, synergies with, like, Commander Planeswalkers. Uh, Tevesh is a big one. Um, I think and, and Jessica is also yeah, pretty, with pretty hot. Jessica. The fact that you can sort of like you can like zero Jessica on like a Thrasios to make it do three damage, and then like you cast something, click the displacer kitten, zero on Thrasios again. Now it's doing nine damage. Do it one more time, and now it's a lethal <laughs> attacker with like just just like a one damage attacker, and that's not even like if you have like a three three power commander, then that's like killing like two activations. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, so like I feel like that's like sort of all the obvious stuff that people saw as soon as the car went spoiled. But, there's also some cooler stuff going on here. You can go a bit further down the rabbit hole. Um, I mean, so the big one that people were probably people probably thought about or were thinking about, but sort of doesn't quite work, is that with Eternal Witness, you're like sort of almost at a point where you can like cast a Lotus Petal and then like e-whip back the Lotus Petal. And like make infinite mana off of that. The issue there is that because Displacer Kitten's uh, effect happens, its ability triggers on the cast of the card. Uh, you'd actually need two Lotus Petals to go back and forth with with an Eternal Witness, or you would need like a Lotus Petal and an LED. And then at that point, you're like a four or card combo, which is or... yeah, or not even. Well, you have to be able to sacrifice itself. Oh, uh, I guess Mox no, Simon Mox does Simon. Do that, you just need the yeah. trigger. Yeah. But yeah, like it, you're at the point where it's like a four card combo, and like it's nice if you're already playing all of those cards, but it's not really a primary thing that you can do with deck. But <laughs> that does spark the question: Well, is are there lower number of cards required to do combos with this card? And there most certainly are. <laughs> there's there's a bunch of them. Um, 
and we could probably we could probably classify them into like two sort of types of uh combos i guess which is like one is the producing infinite mana combos with kitten and then the other is probably doing like tutor change shenanigans with it um I think the big ones right now are uh, there's uh, a combo with Displacer Kitten plus uh, three to Fairy plus uh, I think it's any just zero mana artifact, um, yep. which lets you uh, basically you can cast the zero mana artifact, uh, Displacer Kitten blanks to Fairy, and then you use to Fairy to bounce the artifact back to your hand, draw a card, and then you just do it again because it resets to Fairy every time. Um, so it lets you draw your deck, and if you're using a uh, if you're using a mana rock, like a mana crypt or something like that, to um, do that loop, then you're also making a bunch of mana, so that's pretty cool. You do very similar things with uh, Luris. Luris lets you recast LED or Lotus Petal from the graveyard um, continuously. You can also do a similar thing with Venser. Uh, Venser with a mana positive rock will do it. It's effectively like a make-your-own-hellbreaker horror sort of kind of thing. Um, but yeah, and then there's... And then there's the other class, which is, I think, the thing that people are getting, like, pretty excited about, like, super excited about, which is, like, using Kitten to Tutor Chain. Um, I know, Morgan, so, you've, you've been yeah, working Mor on this Mor Yeah, Morgan, the decks. Tutor Chain uh, <laughs> Vanifar expert, they call him. Why don't, why don't you uh, talk to us about Kitten and uh, a little old uh, artifact that costs three generic and a free exit three? Yeah, so, uh, Birthing Pod is a card for sure Did i say enchantment is... or does it artifact? Sure artifact it's an artifact oh, okay okay um <laughs> birthing pod and to a lesser extent um vivian on the hunt uh are both effects that uh normally suffer from the fact that you can basically only use them once a turn but uh the kitten definitely uh resets it pretty easily uh you just need to cast a non-creature spell um and so this means that uh you're it's it's very easy to like build chains that essentially just require having pod activating a few times and casting one non-creature spell and then um essentially the problem with a lot of pod chains is that more or less everything in the chain is like useless right like chaining through I don't know, they're Pestermite. Just, they're so dead. <laughs> like, like Pestermite, Pestermite doesn't do anything. So, like, no, unless you specifically nothing. are doing a Kiki combo where, like, yeah, you have, like, Felidar into Karmic and then Felidar into Kiki, and then you can go off with the, with the Felidar. But this sort of gives you access to chains where you chain into the Kitten, you reset, and then you go and then you chain something else into say like a trinket mage or a spell seeker or whatever and then you can effectively assemble a two card combo because displacer kitten is a combo piece that also untaps the pod relatively easily um which yeah, just like, like hasn't existed except in red where you uh had kiki which meant that things that untap stuff are just inherently combo pieces which is why typically pod has been relegated to decks with red in them, you know, blood pod, blue pod, that sort of thing. Um, now you have much cleaner lines uh, outside of red. And those lines, uh, first of all, they don't, like, because Displacer Kitten is only four, you don't have to have, like, this giant chain that gets you up to five or six or whatever. Yeah, so you don't especially have... in, like, stuff like Thrasios Timno, where you're likely to have a three in play already when you're going up. Yeah. 
Um, and then, like, yeah, so you, you don't have to have a, a whole bunch of uh, slots at higher CMCs to make your chains work. And also, like, it's just not that hard to assemble these, like, two-card Displacer Kitten-based combos uh, without the pod. Um, also, the cards you are running to assemble uh, the combo, or, like, to enable the combo, are, like, a lot less stinky than, you know, previous pod combo enablers. Like, Trinket Mage, you know, it's not... I mean, decks usually aren't just running Trinket Mage main deck for... You know, sure, but the, uh, yeah, very the very specific. Like, Spellseeker right? is like totally yeah, well, fine. Well, like, well, that's what I'm saying, right? It's like unlike Pestermite or Felidar Guardian and Kiki, where you're you're running, you know, a bit of a stinker like Trinket Mage, and, and some of these cards have, you know, you're raising the floor on uh, on your combo pieces, which is nice. Yeah, uh, actually, Morgan, do you do you want to sort of like break down like some of the actual like win lines there because we haven't really gone through those we've sort of been talking around like yeah you get like a trinket mage you get a spell seeker in play and then like that's just it <laughs> sure Which, like, so is true but yeah sure so um the basic trinket mage uh lines are essentially you're going to be playing uh led and lotus petal um and then um the sort of quote-unquote dead card you have to put in to enable that is just elixir of immortality um, and so that loop just nets you mana as long as you have one other rock that um, you can hold to let you tutor after you activate the elixir, which can literally, as as Lennon said, just be your mox diamond, or it could be something like uh, a spell bomb or a top that that lets you uh, draw your deck. Um, if you aren't in, like if your commander isn't an infinite outlet. But if your commander is an infinite outlet like Thrasios, you don't even need that. So you just need the elixir. Um, and then with Spellseeker, you have some chain that usually involves something like uh, uh, just a dark ritual. Um, yeah, you get a dark ritual, you cast it. You get an entomb, you cast it. You get a reanimate, you cast it. You get a consult, you cast it, and the Entomb obviously finds uh, finds Thassa. Thassa's Oracle, and yeah. voila. So if you have Displacer Kitten, a Spellseeker ETB, and a single black mana, uh, you win the game. It's like a build your own Anala. Great. Basically. <laughs> um, nice. So yeah, I mean, like, it's... There, as, as you can tell, there's a lot going on with the card. Uh, but I think even more interesting than like probably like what the card actually does is really what's like interesting to me is where it fits and how it affects the decks that it's going to fit into and even aside from all that like what decks it might even create um, because there's there's some very real space here for some building around of some combos and strategies that use the kitten that haven't really existed up to this point because the card didn't exist yet um, but I think yeah, like if we could probably take a look at some of the decks that it's uh that it'll probably uh go into maybe like pre-existing just to give an idea that we can sort of launch there because I I think some of the decks are pretty interesting too. Um, I mean certainly there's uh I'll say at least I I've seen a couple of decks that were um already playing Hallbreaker Horror uh in the '99 without doing any polymorph shenanigans. Um, there are some, uh, like, Thrasios Vile lists. I think there have been some people playing, uh, like, mid-range Thrasios Timnalists with Hallbreaker Horror in them. 
just as like a really resilient win con and a card that just sort of like sort of takes over the game on its own even when you can't win the game off of it um and i think kitten actually slots really effectively into a lot of those lists just because you're already doing a lot of the like mana rock shenanigans of like having mana rocks in play having multiple mana rocks like ready to go at moment's notice you're typically already playing a relatively high amount of uh non-creature spells and then uh a lot of the time you're also in thrasios uh in those decks so you have like this outlet for all this additional mana that you're making and if you're just like doing the trinket mage or spellseeker stuff even just one of those is totally fine in the deck because like like especially trinket mage and like hellbreaker horde decks I feel like that's totally fine, right? Like, you're just gonna trigger mage for, like, a mana crypt that you need anyway to do Hellbreaker Horror shenanigans. Uh, so, it, that that seems like a totally easy slot in for me. I'm, I'm not too happy to, like, slot in, like, a LED or other, like, a, a bunch of other stuff that I wasn't running before to enable Kitten in decks that are, you know, running, like you said, non-polymorph Hellbreaker decks. Like, if Hullbreaker's not even, like, the plan A, it's kind of like the plan B, I'm not super enthused to do that, but, you know, there is definitely some consideration for, like, a kind of retooling of the deck um, to, you know, play more kits. Or... Yeah, definitely. Uh, Morgan, I actually heard that, like, people have been considering this for Razaketh as well. Yeah, like, so, um, Razaketh has typically run Oriox Salvagers to combo with your Lion's Eye Diamond. And there's been a perennial debate on, uh, that it sounds like I'm losing, but I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't engage perhaps much, as much as I should, uh, versus whether your slot to buy back your LED to fix your mana during your Razaketh combo should be Eternal Witness or Luris. Um, but if you do play Luris, then, um, your backup combo, so like normally the deck just wins with Thoracle, and then your backup combo was to do some loopy shenanigans uh, with uh, making infinite mana using your your Oriox Avengers LED bomber man as it's known, um, and then you know draw your deck and use either Twister or Endurance and loop your spells. Yada yada. We've all we've all been there, um, but you could cut the Oriox Salvager if you're playing Luris. Uh, you could just straight swap Oriox Salvagers for Displacer Kitten. Uh, it means that that combo itself is worse uh, in that it's now a three-card combo, though admittedly you can also combo with Lotus Petal uh, as well as LED, which is nice because it gives you a backup combo that doesn't involve discarding your hand. Um, but the the card is just much more generically useful than Oriox Salvagers, which does like more or less nothing outside of the combo. Uh, even with, the combo with Bomberman is like yeah. Highly whereas with this, um, you can obviously like you can flicker things like your Spellseeker. Uh, you could you know reset your your uh, Mystic Remora or protect things from removal. I'm uh, just resetting rocks and using it for that pseudo paradox yeah, engine yeah. mode, like you said, is is pretty good. Like I mean, I looking at the this Blazer Kitten, I'd even thought about it for Baral and being like. Hey, well, you know, Baral discounts my generic mana. If I've got a, a rock that, you know, works well with Displacer Kid, and this could just discount my blue mana as well. Yeah, but, so generally, uh, I just cast don't think decks, I have enough of those rocks. Generally, cast decks aren't on too many rocks. Um, it just doesn't, like, like the, the mid-rangey strategy means that it's often like you want to be able to flex the Collector Roof uh, as a slot, 
um, and like dorks are just very useful because uh, they also provide the sacrifice fodder for Razaket that you need. Um, but oh, another thing you can do is you can do uh, hilariously cheesy things with uh, like animate dead and dance of the dead. Um, like so, if you if you have a creature animated, oh, true. like <laughs> like a, like a, you just use it for value yeah. on say like a notion thief. Um, if you have a non-creature spell and an instant, you can cast the non-creature spell, uh, flicker the animate dead, get something else, and then with the sacrifice trigger on the stack, cast the instant, and then flicker whatever you originally had animate deaded, and you still get to keep it. Um, <laughs> so there, there's like some cute some cute things you can do with that. Um, and and so it's essentially like you play a slightly less dead card, uh like kitten versus uh versus salvagers um uh, just a, a more flexible card but you make your combo a little bit your backup combo a little bit worse which i think is generally like to me that trade-off makes a certain amount of sense in that um in that like your backup combo you know in a perfect world you wouldn't even feel the need to run your backup combo um, so having it be bad and just be like, oh, because my Thassa's Oracle got exiled, or like this is a really problem, uh, uh, you know, there's a, a very like, like, there's a torp orb in play. I don't have time. There's, there's a torp orb. I don't have whatever. So like, I mean, that's also not gonna. Like, and, yeah, that's it's probably also, gonna be a problem yeah. with with Displacer Kitten. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's more like the backup combo in Cats is generally for when your Thoracle is is completely inaccessible because you have reanimate, so it being in the graveyard doesn't matter. Um, it basically has to be an exile. Uh, so in that case, you just play a mid-range game, you just try and take over the game, generate such a huge resource advantage that it doesn't really matter how bad your backup combo is, is the logic. Um, but I think that's also like an interesting... I won't get into this too deeply. There's sort of a... There's two schools of thought around the play pattern in Cats on whether you are like a mid-range deck or whether, you know, like... Because it's pretty easy to assemble Bomberman. Um, so, like, it can often just be nice to be like, okay, cool, well, I have this LED, and I'll just neoform my Timna, and could game everyone. Um, versus, you know, okay, I'll just keep drawing cards and playing this mid-range game until, you know, I'm, like, really confident I can uh, go for that. So, there yeah, is... I, you definitely are losing a degree of flexibility. Uh, I would assume displacer that a lot, of, a lot of the... Probably the opinions and the uh standpoints on that are probably pretty well informed by the meta that you're playing cats into it seems absolutely to be like, yeah uh, yeah like especially if you if you don't have the time for, for some reason or another it would make sense to continue with bomberman just because like it if you're just trying to like end games relatively quickly and you're just trying to attack on a different axis rather than trying to be like more mid-rangey then yeah yeah, certainly I'm I'm picturing myself just like going for random turn three and turn four Bombermans in our meta and it sounds <laughs> yeah, like a bad time. It sounds like you win every like you know, three in a hundred games. <laughs> it's just yeah, I'll crack this LED and I'll suddenly have five removal spells pointed at the Oriox Salvagers. Yeah. Like, yeah, lose my hand, great time. Yeah. Um, I, I mean I think playing in our meta has certainly like severely affected or severely colored my uh, perception of Bomberman. <laughs> like I, I think that combo is basically unplayable. Um, well, but it's that, a three-card combo. That is, silence, that is definitely right? a, the, uh, yeah, a function of playing in our meta. Um, um, I will say, I, I do think that the you know, 
you're kind of making comments specifically about cats in terms of um, making your backup combo, uh, you know, less, I guess, robust or strong uh, in favor of a card that's uh, better on average, um, just better, you know, card quality. Throwback to everybody have to know that. Uh, um, but I think that's generally just a good deck building philosophy. I I am really reluctant. I think people overemphasize redundancy in CDH, uh, and, and I will not spin this off into like too big of a tangent. But um, I did just want to say that yeah, I, I think um, don't don't go. You know, I I don't think your deck should have a plan D. Honestly, I I think you know going even going to plan C is uh you know is is you should not be putting in extra cards for a plan C. Your plan C should be stuff you know, that's cobbled together all of what's already in your deck because you want to run it. Uh, your plan B, I am very reluctant to put in any dead cards um, for a plan B. So, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think Displacer Kitten as a as a plan B backup for Oriok is, is uh, a secret. That being said, like, so you, you sort of touched on Brawl there. I'm actually, another thing that I'm interested about with Kitten specifically is that it seems like it's actually a pretty powerful slot in for some, like, low-color blue decks, which I know you've been playing a lot of over the past, like, god, I guess, like, year and a half at this point. Um, yeah, almost two years. Like, it is. are there any, like, obvious slot-ins that you can see for Displacer Kitten? Because I know, like, I I think there's probably going to be... I, I There probably has already been some testing, and I can't imagine that they actually would have probably gone through with it, but I, I would have thought that... Um, Displays Your Kitten fits pretty nicely into the uh, Polymorphless Urza build, so UPS. Um, just because it, like, it, it does a lot of the jobs of uh, Hellbreaker Horror while also being, like, significantly cheaper, and you can also do some other cool stuff, like just, like, flickering Urza over and over and over again to get a bunch of constructs to just beat the table to death. Yeah, so. I think Kitten is insane in Urza. Because uh, I think one of Urza's, and, I mean, you know this from our meta, one of Urza's weirdly strongest abilities is making a construct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if, if every time you cast a spell, you make a construct. I know, and people people will be like, "Well, there's cards like, uh, you know, what's what's the uh, what's that super evolved uh, Delver?" Um, oh, um, aberrant abomination. It, no, it or something flips like that. into into yeah. something aberration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Dose yeah, into perfection. Don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one, one's yeah. sick. That one's sick. But it's like that. That's not a CDH. That's not a CDH <laughs> card. Um. You know, or or there's mechanized. Is it mechanized production the one they run in, uh, or metallurgic summonings? I'm thinking maybe. Yeah, metallurgic summonings is the is the one. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery, you make an XX, and then it's like the you worst. You can pay a bunch of typhoon. mana. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. It's like the worst <laughs> uh, shark typhoon. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, no. But, but, but the, the the point being is get, that like can... these cards are not playable. But you know, making a construct uh, for every time you cast an instant or like a non-creature spell, you make a construct. For four mana to put that down, um, which especially in Urza when your constructs are also mana, that's insane. Like that's a game-winning card. Uh, so I definitely see it in places like Urza. Although I, I have looked at Kitten for uh, some of my other low-color blue decks. Um, I mean, I don't I don't play Urza, but, but that was just me commenting on Urza. But for my personal like uh, low-color blue decks, I don't think it makes the cut in in any of them. Just because like I would like it in Baral for the um, the color cost reduction. Um, like if it just had, you know, your spells, whenever you cast a spell, make a treasure or you know, something of that effect that you know, reduces my, uh, blue guaranteed. Um, I think I'd for sure run that, but because, uh, in mono blue, you're short on 
the things that Displacer Kid can flicker to immediately kind of recoup your blue mana. Um, I don't think it's going to make the cut, and then I, I just don't think it fits in some of my other decks. So, um, yeah, not 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 going to make it into any of the decks that I'm working on currently. But I think it, it would be pretty cool if like Riel triggered on like the first discard after it had been cast that turn or like it didn't track before yeah like yeah turn. if it was like when you discard yeah. cards draw that many cards this ability triggers only once each turn yeah, yeah. that'd, that'd be, be pretty nuts. hot and yeah i don't <laughs> even know if i'd like, run it then but it would definitely be really? a really? consideration you just well, cast no, firestorm get a trigger flicker my thing and then do it again with the, the deck like, isn't i mean you guys have played that. against a lot right it's not really a, a stormy deck right it's no, more but of it a just, control that deck just makes it so easy to storm. yeah you can you can just start chaining things look i think you would change the deck to to like you might but i don't i don't I, I don't know if, if building around like not Titan so extensively amount, in Riel um, to be more like that would be the strongest way to go with the deck. This is a bit of a digression. So yeah. uh, let's, let's we, get we did, it back on we track. We did talk <laughs> earlier as well. Um, so obviously, again, being like a sort of Bergy is sort of interesting for a lot of decks. Uh, I think like potentially stuff like Calmax might sort of want it. Um, I think there's, there's probably room for it in... Uh, Calamax. Calamax needs to be tapped. Yeah, you. What? I mean, you. You don't. Flick no, no, you're not blinking Calamax. You're blinking all the other stuff. <laughs> like what? Sorry. Like rocks. Like you just want to die. Oh, okay. Side. Just Dox, just for right? the rocks. Sure. <laughs> or yeah. Dockside mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Actually, this plus Dockside also pretty disgusting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean Riel runs Dockside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, well, yeah. He, you can you can throw them to any deck, and you know, just kitten plus Dockside. Well, that is, that is that 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 turns it from discount pension into actually just like better pension. Omniscience. Time, it's right? omniscience. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so like I think I think the sort of being like a a weird Bergy type effect is interesting for a lot of decks. I I think Teamer is actually probably going to use that the most, just because um, you were already like running Bergy type effects in like like Teamer style storm decks, um, and that like those colors really take advantage of it the best because you have like the creature tutors for the kitten, and then you have like red for the Bergy that you're already playing. You have dock sides. You you have like all of these spells that you want to cast. That's oh, I, interesting. I, I like. I can't believe I actually didn't think about this until literally sitting here right now. But uh, I can cut recruiter and Kiki and cord for four. Oh, because you can just get yeah, you can just get trigger mage and displacer. That's that's amazing. That's, that's sick. Yeah, what doesn't let you win at instant speed? But yeah, you take that out all day. I mean, the recruiter like. At, like the way I currently have it set up with the course yeah. of recruiter, like sometimes lets you win at instant speed <laughs> if somebody has, has an Eras. Yes, do you right. run an Ewit or anything like that? Because I mean, maybe you could you could spin that to be able to win at instant speed with Ewit chains or something like that with cord. Uh, I don't think I run an Ewit, but like you could definitely put in a spell seeker and spell seeker might be the better do one. shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, that's sick. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I think it's probably. <laughs> There's probably also space for it in... I mean, we say this every... Like, I feel like uh, Kroxakashima is, like, the new Edric, but this could probably go in Kroxakashima. They'll probably never play it, but... <laughs> I think no, it see, go in there. Kroxakashima pilots aren't as crazy as, like... <laughs> as Edric pilots. Like, most of the time when you're like, this card seems insane in Kroxakashima, the Kroxakashima pilots are like, I know, isn't it hype? As opposed to yeah. the Edric pilots who are like, no, no, because rogue typing is slightly worse than surveil but 
better than Scry, and that it's like yeah, that is, <laughs> give me. I, I need hook with me up all with the, the love in the world player. for future players. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hook me up with their dealer, man. <laughs> um, uh, I'll, I'll have then, what he's having. Actually, yeah, because I I think it's actually sort of interesting because Kark's team actually got two relatively cool things from the set. We won't get into this too often, too much, but like uh. Both Displacer Kitten and Gale are pretty cool, I think, for Karka Sakashima. Like, Gale specifically is pretty hot for that deck, right? Because you can, like, do, like, just absolutely insane chains from it. Because, like, you just, you can just, like, recast the same sorcery over and over and over again and, like, basically rebuy your graveyard as, like... Yeah, I, I, I don't know... Like creature. I don't that's know, sort know of why... <laughs> like, they realized with Flashback, they were like, you can't... We we have to fix this so you can't like do dumb shenanigans yeah. and get your flashback spells back by like bouncing them Remanding to your hand or whatever. More, like, we uh, understand this, and then since then they were like, actually, on every other effect though, we're just gonna allow it. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> just fine. <laughs> Resolves. <laughs> um, and then and what? A... <laughs> and then yeah, uh, we we'd probably uh we could go into this a bit more, I guess talking about like the decks that are going to want kitten uh we, we can sort of use this as a bridge i guess but i think like the some of the true stuff that's gonna be like awesome with kitten are the planeswalker commanders uh jessica's cool but i think like the actual sauce is uh just place your kitten with tedesh i think that's just so hot right like you do you. matt's not here and you can disrespect <laughs> elminster like that <laughs> okay elminster great like just fantastic meme value i think the deck has some really <laughs> awesome play patterns i don't yeah. i don't necessarily think it's a contender as is five mana's rough sorry matt still love the deck <laughs> um but yeah like I, I think i think like tevesh plus displacer kitten is just like so powerful right like you're oh yeah you're just like turning like every spell into a draw two most of the time as long as you have like extra bodies left over if you don't, it's still draw two, draw two, blank, draw two, draw two, blank, which is just, like, insane. Um, and then especially with, like, uh, the other commanders that you can attach to it, like, being able to have, like, Gracios plus Tevesh, and then just, like, be able to, like, chain through, like, half your deck with a, with a Displacer Kitten, which is creature tutorable, is just, just it seems super powerful. Finally, finally, uh, <laughs> maybe this is too, broken too hot. I, I was gonna say, no, I was gonna say, <laughs> Finally, Tevesh has an actual reason to play. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Look at uh, Tevesh Brody Hawk Piles. To give me a hot water. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think it's probably... There's probably, like, a, a bridge there to talk about, like, decks that we think will, like, start to exist now because of Kitten. Um, obviously, like, Thrust him to Pod stuff that we're going to... Uh, mentioned earlier like sans red pod stuff uh is really interesting um you guys like have uh like thoughts about like trying to build any shells around kid no um, i mean the biggest one that stood out to me was the thrust timna pod it just you know obviously the the two and three timna into kitten thrasios into trinket mage or whatever is like just so perfect um sans red obviously but you know in those combination of colors there's so many different things you can do you can do you know pure consult you can do nas you can do doomsday if you want for if you want one card win you can just do anything with those commanders so like you know there'll be a new deck built around with with kitten you know pod as the kind of main win condition but um 
don't know. I guess I guess maybe because you're doing pod stuff, you could see more. Yeah, but it's not even it's not even the kind of pod where you can play well into like stacks and rule of law and stuff, right? Yeah, I, I think um, that's the one weakness still is that like, like unless once... you're potting away your rule of law creatures, which is not crazy. Um, which is but fine. it just does make I, I it think... hard to defend your your pod. I think yeah. Like, this, I mean, pods definitely... generally on the difficult side to counter, but it definitely is. But... Can't swan song it. Pretty huge. Um. <laughs> I think I mean, it's, it's actually it is, interesting yeah. that like we got the pod enabler for Thrastimna, but we didn't get the pod enabler that lets you also play rule of laws because it's like Thrastius Timna rule of law is such a powerful deck theoretically, and then you realize that you just don't have good win cons still. <laughs> like, like no, I, I don't even think it's okay, I don't. I'll, I'll say this again. I don't think it's that bad because like if imagine you have you just don't want to have like to be so you don't want to be obviously you can't be running your um, non creature rule of laws. It's like the Raspberry Jam kind of idea with Anafenza, right? Where you couldn't run um, non-creature rule of laws because you're going to sack them as part of your combo. So long as you're, like, if you're playing an Archon Vimeria um, and Ethersworn Canvas, right? You can just, instead of potting your Thrasios Timna, you can pod those two into your combo and you're fine. Um, you just can't double up on three well, drops, right? Thanks for, I don't think it's thanks for killing my enthusiasm for the deck by saying Raspberry Jam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't think it's like un unplayable per se, but it's like it is. It does definitely suffer from the problem of when you're playing rule of laws and you're trying to resolve your win con piece at sorcery speed. Uh, that just you know inability to defend it is is certainly still a problem. So yeah, I mean it could enable that deck. I don't think that deck is gonna you know jump ahead of any of the other Thrasios Timna builds, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, I think. Um, the other, like, there's kind of a larger point there of, like, what exactly, you know, is this providing that, that other things don't, um, and when you have, like, the, the level of card advantage that things like Thrasios and Timna provide, um, having, like, this big network of, like, quasi one-card win conditions becomes a lot less necessary, you can just find two cards pretty easily, mm -hmm. um, so I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting in lower shells. I think it does a lot for um, Derevi, who already was, like, very close on a lot of different pod lines. And then um, it's also, like, much closer. You don't need the rock with Derevi, because if you have Derevi, you can untap lands with it. Um, and so yeah, there's a bunch of stuff there. Kitten to untap Cradle is sort of busted. <laughs> um, and then I, I've been thinking about building Derevi because I had so, I wanted to do some takes on it with a different kind of like wind condition play, like very instant speed. Um, and it made, made me, like, I hadn't really thought too much about the the kitten for Derevi because that was kind of at the back of my mind. But you know, maybe maybe that's enough to get me to actually uh, pull the trigger and build Derevi. I I've I, I'm sure you guys have have. Um, you know, the, the decks I play in our in our metas, they're very much lacking white, right? I, I play a lot of blue, um, I guess, like, teamer mostly, and then my only black deck is Gitrog, which I haven't been playing too much recently, so, uh, yeah. yeah. Having and a place to put my white cards would be nice, So, and Drevi is certainly uh, something I've been looking at, so we'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll bust that out. And then, yeah, the other, the other uh, thing that I've been sort of working on, I don't have, like, a prototype list yet, but... I'm in the sort of theory crafting phase is um Vanifar, um, where like instead of trying to do Hulk, you just do uh 
the top of your cur the top of your chain is uh Hullbreaker Horror, and then you have Displacer Kitten part way down, and then question mark, question mark, question mark, profit. <laughs> <laughs> so, somehow. That seems like most of the Vanapart lines that have been ever theorycrafted. Just yeah, you do like this stuff, no, and no. eventually you win. <laughs> but, like, no, no, see, because yeah, yeah. the normal Vanifar lines are, like, very specific, <laughs> but now here it's like, I don't know, you just get you get, uh, you, you just need to get uh, Displacer Kitten in play, untap your Vanifar, and then it feels like, you know, you just, like, if you can keep an untappy creature in play, which is not that hard, because, like, the Or, like, a Spellseeker or something, or just, yeah, like, yeah. Um, then you just, yeah, you chain up to, like, Spellseeker, do some shenanigans. Um, it can kind of, in a built-in way, solve the problem of the fact that there aren't good untappers on five. Because, like, your five can literally just be anything that lets you cast a spell. Uh, once you have a Displacer Kitten in play, as long as you, you know, can turn a Flicker into an untap, which is not... So is there, a like, particular... a Torrential Gear Hulk type effect at 5? Because then, I guess you could do, like, Spellseeker to vitalize to displace your kitten to, like, cast something to... Um... There's, I mean, at the worst case, there's, there's, um, uh, Mnemonic Wall. Uh, mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't gotten that far into going through every 5 drop yet, uh, but right. there's probably something better than Mnemonic Wall. Cool, cool. Uh, and then... I mean, obviously, Voltrotha as well, right? Yes. Uh, where, <laughs> oh, that where, is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, where where it, it is literally, it's just a combo with Muldrotha and anything that sacks to make mana. Um, or just sacks at all, really. I mean, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, so, so even if you don't... plus Displacer Kid plus Muldrotha is still pretty disgusting. Yeah, yeah, even if you it's don't... It's basically permanent Yog will you know? Yeah, because you just keep... Well, it still only casts permanence, but yes. Uh, you just keep resetting your Muldrotha uh, off of every non-creature cast. Um, so, obviously, if you have something like a Lotus Petal, then that, that is just a straight infinite. Uh, but even if you don't have a way to make mana, yeah, you just cast, like, you cast a creature, uh, and then you cast a Seal of Removal, and then you can cast another creature, and then, you know, if you want, you can sack the Seal of Removal, or not, you could cast some other enchantment or artifact. Uh, and so, cast do you run Bobbles in Muldrotha? Uh, no bobbles. Um, this is this is a potential reason to consider running bobbles, right? Um, the thing is, is that I think it's good enough. Like, I mean, it's definitely insane as is. <laughs> like, like, it definitely is. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, bobbles I, certainly aren't terrible. Like, keep keep in mind that Muldrotha already has consult and um, like the Fimage LED. Yeah. Animate dead combo, so you're kind of at a point where, like, putting in putting in more stuff to enable what is now like your third combo is is not. I mean, you could like, consider. I mean, I mean, it's definitely just getting that, that raises. I was, well, was going to say you could consider bumping stuff. this up to your to more main tier to combo. my I second mean, combo. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just nutty and for sure. And it's it's also just like Muldrotha makes it super easy to uh, assemble uh, in a bunch of different ways. Like you can just assemble it off an of intuition, or yeah. uh, or like you have entombs and you have reanimates and neoform and yada yada. Like you can uh, spell seeker get a neoform, get the kitten, 
and then like recast the spell seeker and use the kitten to flicker it and I guess the thing with Moldrotha though is that you already have a uh a blue four drop that's a one card win condition with Moldrotha and Xur's weirding, so do you really <laughs> Yeah, but you can't get that one. That was a lot harder to get. Yeah. There's yeah. not nearly as many permanents that let you get it out of your deck. Yeah. Oh cool. Uh, what else do we got to talk about with Easter? Well, I mean aside from just decks, I I I think we actually pretty well covered uh wide extent of the decks that are going to be using Displacement Kitten. Um, obviously, we're all going to be blindsided by somebody putting it in a deck that it has no business being in, and it's going to be like a deck that people are talking about for months immediately after this episode, but <laughs> I feel like we've done a pretty good job of... Uh... But I'm looking forward to that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds great. Um... It's going to be some random <laughs> commander from, like, New Capenna's secret you know, like they're the commander yeah, set yeah, or something. Yeah. That's like, I mean, it oh, is. I totally forgot that you existed. It is legitimately <laughs> like, it it might be the most viscerally disgusting in Tivit. Yeah, <laughs> just because you're like, and now we're all doing the voting process every time yeah, I cast yeah. a spell. <laughs> Plus, also just like, okay, every time I cast a spell, I'm getting you know, two treasures and some clues, like... <laughs> but, but the worst part, Morgan, the worst part is that people actually have to consider what they're giving you every yes, time. Because yes. it's, it's unlike, unlike any other, like, most other things where, like, the table has to decide, um, like, even, like, Quark Sakashima, like, once you decide you're not interacting, you just sort of let it go until, like, whatever. With Tivit, it's sort of weird that it's the inverse of that, where... Every time you have to make a decision about Tivit on the same turn, it actually gets more and more difficult because they keep accumulating resources from their previous votes, and you have to, like, really, like, get down with the table about, okay, what are we actually giving them this time? Because it still matters, and it will continue to matter until they actually win the game. Uh, I guess one thing, too, with commanders, with Kitten, um, you know, I was, we were joking, I was joking about uh, all these new commanders that I you know, don't even know yet, or that are... Uh... Dude, there's so many new commanders that are coming. It's hard to track all of them. Um, but uh, it's just every time a new commander is printed, like just check kitten. It's one of those. It's one of those <laughs> things you're just gonna have to check now, right? Is is this broken with this placer kitten? Because I think a lot of like maybe not a lot of the time, but the ones where you do hit, it's like oh yeah, this is broken with kitten. They're gonna be super broken with kitten. That's that's just uh, that's just just I I, I think that's something you got to be doing from now on. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, aside from that, we have, um, there's sort of another, uh, sort of, uh, maybe not even mini topic, just, I, I would say, like, another, uh, side of the discussion on Kitten here as well, which is, aside from just, like, putting it in decks and, like, talking over the direct combos with it, I think it's actually pretty interesting to have a discussion about how Kitten actually affects the deck building and sort of play patterns of the decks that it's going to be going into, because... Well, I, I think you could probably just stick it in a lot of uh, the decks that want it and, like, not change the deck at all, and it would be fine. I think there's actually something to be said for, like, in the wake of Kitten being printed and putting it into your deck, sort of reevaluating how, how you have to build the deck. Because it, it does have some, like, relatively interesting requirements and incentives in terms of, like, what you want to be doing with it, right? Um, I think the biggest one is the fact that... Uh, realistically uh for kitten you want to be a lot of the time in green um to be able to actually consistently tutor for it um obviously neoform and algebra evolution for four are pretty easy to get a lot of the time and even then just having 
the rest of the creature tutors is really important. Um, but it's sort of weird for that incentive, right? Because you want to be in green because you want to have a lot of creature tutors, but the actual kitten itself doesn't really want creatures, right? Like, it wants you to be casting non-creatures while having, like, one other meaningful permanent in play. Um, so I, I think it's actually interesting to think about that because, like, it wants you to be in the, like, in the creature color, and it wants you to be playing all the creature tutors, but it also wants you to have, like, a relatively high density of, like, non-creature spells that you can readily cast into it, right? Yeah. yeah, which also has, like, a pretty large impact on, like, the kind of hate you're trying to support or, you know, be vulnerable to or not as, like, as the case may be. Um, so I think, I think it's actually, like, I, I actually don't think it's gonna, weirdly enough, like, despite the fact that it might kind of be one of, like, it's one of the most powerful cards we've gotten uh like at least in the last couple of years just um, like in a vacuum yeah like in a vacuum and in terms of like what you know synergies it has and and like things it can do but i i feel like it's actually just like not quite going def- to it's not going to see a ton of in a play. vacuum sorry sorry well, not no, in, yeah, that's, sort of like, that's why i well, i wasn't not in a vacuum say but that. just sort of just like in like just sort of like in terms of like not in a specific deck or not in a specific archetype, or I, say, I don't even think this card's more powerful just... than like Besaidu. Uh, sure. like it just it has a lot more going on, and like I'm not, yeah, it, it does more like, fancy Morgan, things. Morgan didn't, say, is a way Morgan more didn't say specifically. <laughs> well, Morgan didn't say like better. He said more powerful. I I wouldn't call like Besaidu. Right, I'm not gonna get into the discussion, but okay. The point that I'm trying to the point that I'm trying to make is that like it enables a lot of combos that like at least on the surface are they they, they appear to be at least good. very close to good enough and and i think yeah, like yeah. given that how many combos that are all, like at least almost good enough it enables i i actually don't think it's going to see very much play like proportional to the the number of those combos um because yeah. like it's 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 in such an interesting spot in like okay yeah we we have this like creature based combo you know engine that enables a whole bunch of combos but you know it's you're going to be you have to be playing a bunch of non creature spells and it's vulnerable to like things that these slower creature based uh like slower creature based combo decks have historically wanted to not be vulnerable to well, uh, like just also if you're it's in blue and then if you're in blue and black which is a decent amount of cdh decks uh you've got thoracle as your primary wind condition or nas or whatever so like you know that's it's not going to take the spotlight there so now you're looking for sans black uh blue decks i mean you know it's got to be if you want to do stuff with pod it's got to be in blue green and then you're looking at Blue green decks, well, I mean, Kinnon and all the other viable blue green decks are, uh, you know, kind of doing their own thing usually, right? Like there, there, and or or and or there might be consistency issues in pure blue green of finding the pod. Um, not too many tutors find pod in pure blue green, so now you're in Bant, maybe for uh for you know e tutor, and then you can kind of like maneuver your new tutor chains to get to e tutor, and then you know maybe that's where it fits in, like Bant, but that's like a small 
Where, so where's my where's no, my I, so I don't actually where's my mage that gets uh where's my mage that gets things that cost TNT four or five yeah yeah <laughs> um, I so I don't, I don't actually think that it's that bad in Simic specifically to get access to the birthing pod and honestly I don't even in Simic I don't actually think you actually need the birthing pod just being able to like tutor for Slacer Kitten plus Trigon Mage is really nice um in a lot of those lists like I could totally see this going with Kinnon I feel like I I have this I, feeling that Kinnon's already Trigon Mage um. And just being, like, Kinnon doubling the rocks that you're blinking seems pretty hot as well. Um, obviously, like, it, I, I, I'm not saying it's a shoe in for Kinnon, but I can, like, see it clearly there. I think, like, again, yeah, like, um, just going back and sort of expanding on Morgan, talking about, like, the hate that you're playing into with it. Um, it's actually, like, really interesting as well on that front, because it's it's sort of weird <laughs> that, like, it's, it's a combo that loses to, like, it's a creature tutorable combo that doesn't work through will of law and doesn't work through collector oof but does work through curse totem <laughs> which is just like that that's just super weird right like you don't see that a whole yeah lot. for sure um so i think i there there is actually probably actually space to be explored there in terms of potentially using it as like an anti-meta type of combo where if you are seeing potentially uh, like a, a mid-range fest with stuff like first totem um, and like anti-draw effects I think uh, could be relatively powerful against as well um, basically I'm talking about just like dressing the hell meta uh, but like stuff that's optimized for those uh, mirrors I feel like it's actually sort of interesting because it intersects with the the tutors that you might already be playing in those types of decks while also like bypassing the hate that's aimed at those decks specifically right That being said, cool. I mean, it also just doesn't meta stuff, so <laughs> be wary. <laughs> um, yeah, is there anything else we want to talk about with uh, with this Placer Kitten before we uh, wrap up? Oh, I guess uh, we should theoretically also talk about um, uh, so uh, a combo that we sort of missed but was uh, spotted relatively early by a user on Reddit. I hate that I don't trade it. Anyway, um, uh, which is sort of an interesting uh, concept as well that you might want to explore if you're listening. I don't think it's been successfully implemented in decks, uh, really. I mean, except for, I guess, one. Uh, but the idea is that uh, Displacer Kitten has actually turned both recruiters into quote-unquote one-card combos. Um, you just need the a uh, Imperial Recruiter or a Recruiter of the Guard plus a non-creature spell. Um, and by doing that, uh, it, it's obviously an insane amount of mana, so you, you would have to do it over multiple turns or have a lot of startup mana, but you can Recruiter for the Kitten and then Blink the Recruiter to go find a Venser. Um, and then you can actually use the Venser plus the Kitten, um, plus one of the spells that you have in play, or one of the rocks that you have in play to make infinite mana. And then you can use the Recruiter to go find an outlet as well. That seems actually sort of pretty interesting for Jeskai decks. Um, even potentially, like, Sans Black decks. Uh, potentially you could be on, like, ETB stuff and, like, Grass Bruce, something like that. Um, it's obviously have done some testing for that in Yorian as well, uh, because you're just already playing Recruiter plus Venser plus, like, Dragon Mage or Spellseeker or stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's sort of interesting stuff, right? Oh, yeah. To be able to turn Recruiters into one-card combos, although I'm sure there was already someone to do that, but <laughs> this is with, like, decent card quality. 
<laughs> and and also one card combos that don't uh that don't require you to play fucking final fortune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that wraps it up for our discussion of Displacer Kid. Which means it's time to move on to everyone's favorite segment. Gut check! Gut check? Gut check. Thank you, as always, Morgan, for bringing the energy. Um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, this week's gut check. Um, I want to ask you guys to rank the following sets in terms of how impactful they are to CEDH. Okay. And it's going to be, uh, sorry, Modern Horizons 1, Modern Horizons 2, Commander Legends 1, and the most recent Commander Legends set. And religions of Baldur's Gate. So many sets. I don't even remember what's in all those sets. <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, impactful at the time of their release or now? Yeah, you can pick whatever you want. Uh, I mean, okay, I'll say, I'll say, you know, Commander Legends has uh hull break uh hull breacher band right like i i don't don't discount the impact of hull breacher right like the, that card got banned so i mean i would definitely pack i'm seeing some stuff in one of these sets that's like all right yeah all right i'll sure whatever i yeah i, I don't have an actual answer to this but I'll... the yeah hold on okay, i just want to double yeah, check uh mh1 yeah i just run it no, we gave you time to do it. Send it. Check it. Send it. Send it. <laughs> Wait, you had you had time forever. Just send it. Yeah. Okay. Send it. Okay. Uh, so we're back after twenty thousand years of deliberation, which you know, totally within the spirit of gut check. Don't don't at me. Um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, I guess. Reed, since you were the most kind of indecisive, and I can I go last. We'll we'll, we'll let you go first. No, 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 no. I'm first. I, let, let me go last. <laughs> no, you're going first. No, okay, yeah, yeah, you're going first. Uh, my list is, uh, MH1 Commander Legends, MH2 CLB. Holy, <laughs> yep. wow. this is why I want to go last. <laughs> Dude, I love um, it. I love it. My. Wow. These picks, uh, do you guys want to go first or should I explain? Yeah, okay, let's just get our list out of the way that we can discuss. Alright, um, sure. Yeah, okay, me and Morgan, I think, are definitely on the same page. Commander Legends 1 at first yeah. place. Uh, second place, I have MH1. Then third place, I have MH2. And then lastly, Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. Yeah, okay, so we, we yeah, I, I have the same list as you. Yeah. Okay. I think... Okay. Read, I, justify after, your insanity. After looking through, after looking through the cards, I think... Put together, Collector Oof and Ranger Captain of AOs have far more impact than basically Force of Negation all the cards two. in Commander Legends. Force of Negation was also I, an image. I don't even I don't even care about those. I think Wait, wait, exactly hang on a second. Collector Sorry. Oof is including... like Force of Vigor. Sorry. Wait, not including read. Paul Breacher, no. Right. On we're we're Sorry, talking I about thought... current current commander. Um I, I didn't think, say whatever, although I said you should probably I think back to I think Breacher, I think Collector Oof has a more of an impact than like basically every card in Commander Legends 
or yeah, Commander Legends one combined. I think Collector Oof is like secretly like the meta defining card currently underneath Oracle and Dockside. Uh, I, I do think Collector is very, very impactful. I don't know if I'd go that far. I, I think Collector Roof is the only reason why uh, Green Stacks decks exist currently. Okay, well, okay. When you say phrase it like Green Stacks decks, I mean, you know, historically, all these Stacks decks well, are also wait, white. Hang on a second. And like, because all the ones that aren't green would just get run over by Winota? Like, sure. But... Or well, like no, sorry, also, all the ones that were green, if they didn't have oof, would just get run over by Winota. Like sure, but that's not like I don't know how much uh, that has to do with collector. Well, no, well, versus... no, because also I like non non green stacks. It isn't Winota. I don't actually think really exists. Don't have me. Um, I right because I they get run over by Winota. I think like, they this also... is the problem of of Winota. Is no, that every other no, stacks deck I think, just gets I think... run over by Winota? Wait, what? What? <laughs> What non-green stack stacks without Winota would be good? Name, like, your top one. Like, just the, the best non-green stack stack that isn't Winota. Uh, I mean, like, Heliod Ballistas has some things going for it. it right. It, it's I, debatable like, exactly how much of a stack <laughs> stack it is, because... Like, run. right, but... but My answer is going to be Volo. Dude. Like, Volo, we, we, Azorius, have, Volo. Yeah, like, they're, they're so, even without Winota existing, they're so much worse than the green stack stacks because you just don't have access to the same, like, toolkit consistently. And Collector Roof is a. Well, no, but I think, I think there's a massive room. I think it's, like, it's right? green. It's green as a whole that's propping up those yeah, stack like, stacks, not okay. just Collector Roof. I think, yeah. I think Collector Roof is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. It's certainly nice and helps a lot, but I don't think it's. Well, okay, like, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Do you think that. If Collector Roof wasn't green, let's say it was white, that there would be non-green stack decks that would suddenly become much uh, more no. viable. No? no, okay. So, it, like, see, this or, is or, I think the card, like, be, the card being on a body is, is the card being on a body is what it like. No, yeah, rod then when on you're a in body green, is... you get to tutor for that. Yeah. Wait, what? no, but I'm right. I'm saying like it was a two-two creature that cast for one and a white. Yeah, it's still, I, that doesn't make sense. Let's saying, be honest, it I'm really should have been. What is with green, this green I'm saying, like, put it in any color you want. Bullshit. I think it props up the entire green stacks archetype, which is, like, basically the entire stacks archetype currently sans Renota, which is, like, a third of the meta is propped up by, like, like this one card plus a shell of, like, other similarly powerful cards, but those similarly powerful cards aren't in these sets. I'm pretty okay, sure we I can guess... go back to our color episodes on, but like, I, green I guess, like, talking what, about what... color combinations to kind of account for that, and I really just don't think Collector Oof plays, like, that significant a role in that. So, like, okay, it plays if... a role, at, at a sizable role, but not, like, it's not... Okay, if Winota, role. like, if Winota didn't exist, would the existence or non-existence of collector roof affect like the best stack stacks would be green right yes even if collector roof didn't exist uh yes the best no no uh if we noted didn't exist and collector roof didn't exist the best stack stacks would be green they would be unplayable <laughs> really i i think the playability of this is what i'm saying the playability of the stack stacks in the of the best stack stacks in the format, which happen to be green and plus Winota, are significantly affected by the existence of Collector Roof. Actually, hot take. I was just thinking about this now. I would uh, this. I'm gonna throw this one out there. I think the 
a contender for one of the best non-green stack. I mean, we've got we've got a couple. I mean, you could look at like some kind of like Timna, Timna, you know, Sakashima so, or Timna I, something. But I was gonna say Rafine. Hot take: I think Rafine is one of the better non-green stacks. Yeah, sure. It definitely but could I, be if you built it that way. I, yeah. I, I do think though that like if you're if you're talking about the just like the the set that affected like every cdh deck the most or like the largest number of cdh decks it's probably commander legends one or it almost certainly is commander legends one i'm talking about like the overall impact on like the cdh meta at large i don't know man jewel lotus uh so uh, in fairness i was counting Hellbreacher. i was uh, also counting Hellbreacher. yeah does that which, change? Which was Does that change freaking, your mind? Uh, that, yeah, that card yeah, was it, the most no, no, fucking like, format warping it's, shit it's, ever. It's the, it's the it's the only card in any of these sets that's been banned. Yes, it's like Commander Legend. It's Commander Legends one. If you're also like including Hallbreacher, I, I even think even if you exclude Hallbreacher, I think it's close. Uh, okay, so right, which is why you picked that list. <laughs> so I mean, Legends they each had wait that oh, that's hilarious. They actually they each had an enemy color dual land cycle that are roughly on the same <laughs> yeah. power level uh <laughs> like what commander legends one had jeweled lotus jessica's it had the partners like, like the, the partners the partners, the partners is, is, is alone partners. this is which is why i'm saying if you're counting for the impact on the raw number of cdh decks yes it's commander legends one because of no but partner. even even just the the, the raw number the format the format is impacted by the fact that these other decks now are something you have to account for uh yeah, I I took this into consideration. I think Oof has a larger impact on like the that's, tournament meta. That's wild, <laughs> but man. anyway, it's actually wild. So here you can, it's, you know, Reed was kind of he gets annoyed whenever I make a gut check that isn't you know immediately translatable as like some kind of poll that you can. Yeah, our can viewers, do on our, our viewers would also get annoyed. Ask Listen, them here. We'll this, get the response. This is here. how we'll do it. You know, just vote on who was like the most recent. <laughs> What? No, because you guys had the same list, so it just literally. Yeah, no. I mean, well, even that does even more of. All right, sounds like because the vote is split. Two yeah, one, I'll, easy game. I'll, 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 I'll put up, I'll put up a thing for, uh, for just all of the sets on what people think is the most impactful. Okay, this, Reed, this is Reed trying to back out because he doesn't want to lose. No, I a hundred percent. I will. Or uh, you know, it's true. I would do that stuff. It's just two <laughs> options isn't good enough for voting. You need more than two options. Sure. You can anyway. imagine if we didn't have this much Discord engagement, honestly, how would our podcast <laughs> ever survive? Um, we love all of our Discord users, okay? No, yeah, I mean, you obviously don't, right? Yeah, that's fine. I'll just stop posting <laughs> cut checks in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that wraps up gut check. Uh, we have a listener question um, coming to us this week from DJ Yavamaya. DJ Yavamaya asks, Stacks has become a sort of umbrella term in EDH for all sorts of resource and action denial strategies, with things like hate bears and prisons sort of getting lost underneath the term. Could you briefly describe, this, describe the subcategories underneath Stacks and discuss whether it would be beneficial to the community to recover the distinctions between them? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think, I think probably at this point it's like... I think it's. I think it would definitely be uh, beneficial to um, subdivide stacks a bit more. Um, honestly, probably subdivide all of the major architect a bit. Although more I because... don't honestly, I don't think you would subdivide it based on hate bears in prison because I think almost the 
the overwhelming majority of stacks decks and cdh are hate bears uh centric um and i uh, think yeah. a more interesting or more relevant kind of sub uh, subcategory distinction is um what sorts of maybe omissions or kind of like like stacks like maybe there's you're playing a stacks based deck that is omitting for whatever reason rule of law or something like that right like or like a uh I I mentioned earlier about uh, Raspberry Jam, you know, not running the enchantment-based rule of laws or something like that. Like, well, maybe, maybe some way to distinguish uh, kind of notable omissions. There, um, you could probably also okay. have, like, cross-categorization in terms of, like, you could have it such that, like, you have action denial strategies, and then you have, like, car denial strategies and mana denial strategies, and then, you like, every stack stack is some combination of those, right? Well, yeah, so like, then I, I could be playing like an action define... denial and a mana denial strategy if I'm playing like a rule of law deck with like land destruction or something, right? I think also one thing one thing that's like sort of been lost is that um, specifically in my mind, stacks at the very least uh, requires some number of symmetric pieces, whereas mm. hate bears doesn't necessarily require that. Like I, I would right. never a deck that was running say like you're playing Thrasios Tim, you're playing Razakats. Um, okay, and you're playing Razakats without Collector Oof, just so we don't have to deal with that. Um, so you have your Dranith Magistrate, Opposition Agent, Douthy Voidwalker. Even, even Mind Sensor. Notion Thief. Thief. Mind Sensor. Yeah. If I don't think anyone really counts that as a stack stick. Well, but what if, like, I mean, that's because Cats isn't really archetypally a stack stack. But... I mean, it, it's, it's learned with that in the past. I mean, that's certainly what I was doing with Raspberry Jam and certain... Like, but I you were, but you were playing is a... the is the is the, uh, the vert is like the other kind of similar deck to Raspberry Jam that was kind of also you know flirting with that kind of stack. Uh, I don't think Pet Cemetery ever was actually on like True Rule of Laws. No, I mean neither was. Uh... No, but no, but no, like I'm, I don't think the, the, like the Rule of Law creatures you're playing are symmetrical at least, right? No, but I don't. I don't know that pet. Oh, you don't think they're ever? ever no, I, I, I think pet cemetery is specifically like a. It's it's like a mid range Timatana reanimator deck that's not staxy. It's just like mid range reanimator. Yeah. yeah. All I remember is that it was similar ish to what I was doing. But yeah, Carry like on. it's it's sort of a. Yeah, I I think it I think it is useful to have like subcategorization under stacks. It's hard to have. Um, like exclusive categories uh, for stuff just because there's like having to have a hundred cards in a stack deck means that there's going to be a large amount of overlap on like a lot of the strategies and it, it's really hard to say like yeah this deck is like only a prison stack deck when like a lot of the cards are just so widely powerful and applicable that they're going to get played across all stack decks um, so I think, it's, I think it's probably more productive to like describe the major aspects of, or like have have descriptors available for the major aspects of uh, stack stack. This goes for mid range and turbo as well, but specifically for stacks at this point. Like just have have ways that you can like efficiently describe what a stack stack is trying to achieve. I mean, so I'm like, not sure. I'm, I'm not playing sure like, like win conless like action denial stacks with like a smattering of whatever. Okay, I mean, I just looked up on the database. I can't. Even on an outdated, there's no list for Pet Cemetery. It looks like, um, but there is a Sans Blue Razaketh deck, which is Tim Natana, uh, doing Razak Razaketh uh, Reanimator. It's also got like Void Winterer, but it is it is on um, 
uh, Archon of Emeria, Eidolon of Rhetoric, uh, Ethersworn Canonist, the same sort of thing that was going on with uh, Raspberry Jam. No, no uh, enchantment-based deck. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a a difficult uh, line to walk because like there's a few factors. First of all, hundred card singleton, uh, just kind of by definition means that uh, that decks become more homogenous by virtue of the fact that like you just need to get so much deeper into the card pool. Which means, you know, generally, like, if you're building a modern deck, you know, you you start with the cards that are, like, the most powerful in your archetype, which will vary largely from archetype to archetype. And then as you get farther down the list, it's like, okay, at a certain point, do we just start putting in, you know, generically powerful cards? Oh, yeah, I, I'll like, just play, like, a playset of Thoughtseize and a playset of, uh, like, Fatal yeah, Push. Yeah, or, or yeah. yeah, Fatal Push or Lightning Bolt or, or things like that. But here, like, you know, theoretically, you could build a modern deck with what you would you'd want. Like, theoretically, you could have as few as four copies of twelve distinct cards. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's not how they're like, built. I'm, I'm Probably more, the average I'm is more like twenty, but here the average is like sixty, seventy. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, you just wind up running a bunch of the same cards. And then that makes it hard to be like, oh, well, this archetype is, or, like, this deck is a stacks deck when, like, okay, well, it's a stacks deck, but that's defined by, like, 10 out of the 100 cards uh, in the list. Um, it just makes coming up with consistent definitions and applying them consistently very difficult. Also, it's definitely a lost cause to try and change naming in cdh to oh, something it's, beneficial it, it's been a lost cause for like literal years yeah, at this exactly. point like, it's, it's just not like, even worth yeah, the time <laughs> farm and all this it's it's just oh even before farm like how do you like adaptive oh, yeah, yeah, as yeah. a label like are, are you kidding me <laughs> no just, it's like it's, i mean it's in fairness i asked you to define time. adaptive and what you gave me was incoherent so <laughs> Yeah, it was never coherent. There was never a coherent descriptor for it. You were you were using the I term understand. on the database at I the time. I understand. There's a reason we no longer use the term. It's always been terrible. <laughs> cool, cool. For, also, for the record, that was never my idea to have <laughs> to, to categorize my strategy. Wow, we just had them. Reed, Reed just, just throwing everyone under the bus. I'm not throwing. I'm not throwing <laughs> a specific Holy person shit. under the bus. I'm just saying. I actually, just. Just uh, passing the buck off to someone else. Cool, man. Yeah, operative word being someone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at Into the North Pod, our email into the North Podcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, which we love all of our Discord users and all the engagement. Uh, <laughs> the invite link or at least can be I found do. in the description <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash northpodcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link. So anytime you want to purchase something from TCG Player, if you use our affiliate link, which is in the podcast slash YouTube description, a portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cottery for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slumber for our equally lovely podcast logo, and to our video editor Mandre Hat. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya.